Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hi, and welcome back to Raising Joy. I'm Kristen Perch. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and I'm joined by my effervescent, beautiful, polished, yeah, yeah. glorious <laughs> co-host, Miss Winnie King. I'm Winnie King, and we're all from Cook Children's just doing the work of the Lord. <laughs> this this Good Friday, yeah, right? This Easter weekend. We're ready. We're, we are. We're doing it. We're doing so, good work. I was scrolling through uh, Fort Worth News uh, Magazine, mm-hmm. and I saw... Um, an article about Cook that we had some really scary data came out pretty recently. About safe sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have, in the last 15 months at Cook Children's, we have had 30 babies die mm. as a result from accidental situations sleeping. And that means sleeping with the parents where the parents turned over or they had too many blankets in the room or they had something happening and they suffocated but it's so preventable and so disheartening and so heartbreaking Mm -hmm. um and and you know i've been a mother i mean i breastfed i had that kid in my bed we breastfed i fell asleep blah 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 yeah but we've got to be a little more attentive about how we take care of those babies and we've got to you know get a bassinet uh, a box, a drawer, a something. I don't know yeah. what we have to do to put the babies in a situation where they can be by themselves and not have that possibility of somebody rolling over on them or right. they suffocating because of a pillow or too many pieces of clothing in the in the in the bed. Right. But and I know, think when you're a parent of a newborn, you're just exhausted, so, so sleep deprived. You are like you're like I'll do anything to sleep, but I, you just. You have to be intentional. And I think even before you have the baby, you have to be thinking, this is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to handle this. And we're going to have a place for this baby. And and I know we like to snuggle and we like to hug and we like to hold and 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 we love that skin to skin contact uh, with the baby. That's a must. But at some point you have to take the baby and put put them somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and I've equated this to, you know, back in the day when we learned how to put on our seatbelts. Cause for a long time we didn't do that. We didn't right? do that. But I'm pretty sure I ran around the back seat of my oh, car. Oh, in the back seat, the back window. <laughs> I was I was everywhere. Jumping around. Yeah. And we didn't have everybody wasn't in a car seat, but we figured out some things and we had to do some things and, and change our behavior. Yes. Um, and, and we want to keep these babies safe. I know. How heartbreaking. I cannot imagine. I, I can't. Like, I just, I cannot imagine the grief that those parents are going through. Yeah. I, I can't. And, and I don't blame. I don't judge. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to. And I, I, I please ask nobody do that. But I just need us to think about doing better. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We Absolutely. Just gotta do Absolutely. But anyway, on another note. Yeah. <laughs> on another note. <laughs> on another note. Today, we're very excited to have one of our most favorite types, our doctor type here, <laughs> uh, Lisa Elliott, back in our studio. It has been a full year. I, I can't believe that. 
it was just yesterday you were sitting across from mm-hmm. us, you know, when you were here before. But we have Lisa Elliott, Dr. Lisa Elliott with us today. Yes, ma'am. She is a licensed neuropsychologist and the clinic manager of Cook Children's Behavioral Health Clinic in Denton. And we are glad to welcome our friend and colleague back to Raising Joy. Thank you. Yes. I love you, ladies. <laughs> yes. You're the best. It's, it's, it's the so best. good to have. Because anytime you come, it is information. Yes. It is what we need to do. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it work? Okay, we can do this. I'm taking notes. <laughs> as, as a mom of youngins, I'm taking notes. So let's talk about a, a, a subject that you like to talk about, Dr. Elliot, and that's kindness. Yes. Um, so why is kindness so important and how do we teach it to our kids? I don't even want to teach it to my kid. I want to figure out how I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually how you teach it to your kids. Yeah, kid. I right? need to know how to do exactly. it. But go on, tell us. <laughs> well, you know, we're every single one of us are born as babies. We're born with the inherent ability to have empathy. And empathy is really part of kindness, mm. you know. And it's just, it has to be nurtured and fostered and developed. And that's really a critical role of parents. And they do it one by modeling in their own actions. And then the other thing they do it is also by encouraging and creating those opportunities for their kids to participate in those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, I mean, kids are savvy. They, Mm -hmm. they watch us, they listen to us, they watch us navigate, you know, ethical dilemmas. And do we handle that with fairness and honesty and kindness? Mm -hmm. So then they'll, you know, played into that. They watch whether or not we help someone open a door or help carry groceries or help someone share. cross the street. If mm-hmm. we share, exactly, <laughs> even with siblings, yes, you know. Yes. Um, but then also they see whether or not, where do we actually put our time? So mm-hmm. like I know when our kids were growing up, every Thanksgiving we were serving at a, at a food kitchen. Mm-hmm. So they... It's important for them to not only see us live it out, but they also need to see us participate and engage in it so that they learn to do that as well. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, yes, absolutely. I think also whenever I was growing up, my parents, I don't know if this was a conscious choice of, by them, but they never spoke badly about other people, mm-hmm. about other kids, about other um, parents. And I think a lot of that has to do with they knew like we would go parroted or whatever and they would get in a lot of social trouble, right? <laughs> but I have the same, I mean, like, so I just inherited that. So I don't, talk badly about other people, especially not in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and you can vent, you can be frustrated by people, but I'm going to do that one-on-one with my husband, right? And we're going right. to talk about it. and Or like, a friend. Or a friend, right? <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. get that out. But I, I don't model that. No. And, and I think, but I think sometimes I see other people speaking badly about other people and I'm like, oh, thanks mom. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that yes. I don't, mm-hmm. that that's just not something that come, that I just do. Like it just doesn't come up for me. Right. You know, another thing, you know, speaking of that, it's not only just not talking bad about people, but when they see that done, helping your children learn to engage in perspective taking, mm-hmm. you know, how they can step back and think about, well, how, how might that person feel in that situation? Mm. You know, so that you create and build that empathy piece of it and have them thinking about the empathy piece of it, but just, just perspective taking and seeing oh, yeah. other differences mm-hmm. and appreciating other differences actually helps build emotional wisdom. Right. And that should be our ultimate goal is to develop that empathy and resilience and emotional wisdom. Do we need to define kindness? What, what actually is it? Is that, is that a well, crazy you know, question? Well, you know, I had, didn't, even, I guess kindness to me is actually, it has, 
it's our thoughts, but also our actions mm-hmm. and okay. how we treat people. Mm-hmm. And to me, it kind of goes back to the golden rule. There you we go. should love others and treat others as we want to, to be, be treated. treated. Mm-hmm. And if we have, have that as our moral guiding principle, we're mm-hmm. going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. also the ability to um, respect and appreciate individual differences. Mm, yes. Agreeing to disagree. Mm, we right. don't have to, we can still care about somebody and not have to agree with whatever their their belief is or whatever they were thinking about at that point in time, you know? Yeah. Right. We I used think to do that. We right. used to. It's really, yeah, that's really We're harder. not doing that now. No, we're no. not. We mm-hmm. used to do that long ago. We, and long ago, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, mm-hmm. we we disagreed. Mm-hmm. don't necessarily agree with what you're saying, but you know what? We're going to figure out how to come to some compromise. Mm-hmm. And I respect what you're saying and you respect what I'm saying. I totally agree. And here's the thing though, is we could also still see, I value this person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I may yeah. not agree with that exactly. comment or statement or exactly. belief. But I value them as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're not doing. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, our kids are watching us. Oh, it's not just us. They're, they're looking at the news. They see they're on TikTok. They're on, okay, they're on TikTok. <laughs> well, it's on TikTok. It it's everywhere. They're, they're I know. On social media, they see the craziness, the Karens, the people who are being abusive to other people for no reason. And it's just like, why? Yeah. Why? Why are you doing this? It makes no sense. Yeah. Is there any research behind like the benefits of kindness? people as far as like longevity or well the research that we do know shows that from from our physical health there's significant short-term and long-term benefits to our physical health but also our emotional health and our overall well-being we know that yeah but so from a health perspective yes there is what would you say um if someone was like old school and thought like you know being kind is weak you know i don't want to be actually that shows strength I think so too. I think, I so think too. it's just the yes. opposite. And I think what's happened, you know, when I talk, you probably see this too, Dr. Perch, all the time in your, you're here in your practice. So not only are we worried about the, the enormous amounts of quantity, but also when we look at acuity and severity of kids with, you know, depression, anxiety, the suicidal thoughts, but even more recently, some of the other topics that are coming up for me is they fear for their safety yes. and they're isolating yes. and they don't feel comfortable being out in public and they feel like people don't have good coping skills because all people want to do is handle issues with aggression yes. and we're not teaching them that. And mm. so it, that's to me weakness. When you go to that level, that's weakness. That is right. not strength. Mm. Right. I agree with you. There's way more power and grace. Oh, yes, there is. Like and way, it erodes our trust. In each other. Yes. Because there are times when I need to trust you. I really do mm-hmm. in order to do, I, and I'm thinking about, you know, work. When I work with people, I need to trust that we're on the same page and mm-hmm. we're trying. It may not be that we're doing it the same way, but at least we're looking and trying to to do an objective and, and trying to get there. It may be different, but I need to trust that we're trying to get there. And so when, um, you know, trust is eroded, kindness is gone, respect is gone. Now this is this is ugly. It does feel like a free for all. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's funny when I've had. Um, I know one of the things you might, you might be asking about is bullying, but when I've had kids talk about both bullies and victims as bullies, 
they've all shared some common themes of why they've engaged in this or why they think we have such the problem with it. Okay. One of them is we lack a moral code, which mm. has to do with trust. respecting mm-hmm. trust and kindness. Mm. Okay. The other one that they say is, is that we're not teaching empathy like we used to. Mm. So we're not creating those opportunities. We feel like there's a lack of parental participation and engagement because they're not monitoring because parents are a lot of times on their social media and not modeling for them. Mm -hmm. But the other one they say is the amount of violence that they see, whether it's gamings, whether it's music or movies or TV shows or or social media or news. (laughs) Or news. (laughs) Well, but then we see... You know, people they look up to, professionals they look up to, engaging in that too. Right, right, right. So we don't have good role models with this. Right, for kindness and yes. yes. Or appropriate problem solving. Yes. We're going to have conflict all of our life. Yeah. We've just got to be able to handle it better. And, and we have some role models, but they seem to be overcome and overwhelmed by the people who are not Or they're not that. featured. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree with you on that. Not enough not enough attention is being played. We we tend to focus on, on the negative, news media, on mm-hmm. the negative mm-hmm. because they, I don't know if that really does drive ratings. I really don't know that. But can you imagine what would happen if we had where every news media outlet would focus on the positives and the mm-hmm. good that some people mm-hmm. are doing? Think about the influence that might be. Yeah, right. Yeah. If it was more centered on that for like eighty percent of their programming, because I think I, yeah. I do watch the news in the morning, and a lot of times it'll be like this is a good moment, and, and they'll give a shout out. But it's like. Two minutes yes. compared yes. to the like hour programming of like there's traffic and this is a disaster and here's this dumpster fire over in Carrollton, you know, like I mean it's like over and over, you know. It's true. It, it is, is true. true. Yes. Oh but in defense of my uh, of my media friends, because yes. I have I have a few, they do want to tell good stories. Mm-hmm. They really do, and they they call us even at Cook Children's. They call us for good for good stories, but. Again, it's overwhelmed by the other mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes. And um, I would agree with you. I think they do want to cover yeah, that. Yes, I do too. But I think everything that comes out of Cooks is going to be good stories. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and they are. Thank you very much. <laughs> At least cautionary and information or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I know people want, because we had those beautiful babies that were separated. And, oh, yes. and everybody wanted to talk about that. And I couldn't, I can't tell you how many times reporters say we needed to tell this story because it was so much bad going on mm-hmm. that we needed something good to help Gives try hope. to balance. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they were so anxious to tell that story because of that mm-hmm. fact. And not only because it was amazing and miraculous and our doctors are fabulous, but because it, it really was a good story and they mm-hmm. wanted to tell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about resiliency? Like what exactly, what do we mean when we're talking about like resiliency and, you know, it's, it's, well, Okay, so that one I probably can define a little bit better. Okay, 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 that's fine, that's fine. (laughs) But it's the ability to kind of bounce back from like um, difficult situations or adversarial situations, but also even if mistakes that we make ourselves. And so I think that's important to always know. And it's kind of the ability to also cope and adapt and manage to stressors and how to handle that. So that it's important for us to learn how to do that. Resiliency has helped what builds us and builds our just our own strength and just emotional wisdom. But parents, um, and you know this because you and I have talked many times about the ACE study and what that has shown in trauma on children. Um, But if if all kids could have at least one one person who is committed and engaged and healthy, who loves that child unconditionally, yes, that that will. That gives them resiliency. And the more of those that they have, the better. But 
we can take a role in taking responsibility for helping develop that resilience. In okay, grandparents, it's time to step up. Because well, that for me is a grandparent. That's yes. a job. That's a role for the grandparent. And they 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 live for it. Yes. Oh, they do. They, they live. Do. Because they don't have to discipline and they don't have to do the things they used to do Just with you. Just make a connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's I it. love, oh, I, mm, I wish I had grandkids. So, <laughs> just give it time. But, um, so I, when we had um, Dr. Peterson come on and mm-hmm. talk to us about like preventing school shootings and things like yeah. that, her book, The yeah. Violence Project, yep. I was reading it. And she talks about how, like, the role of trauma and just about how, like, for there's lots of kids that have an ACE or have yes. some sort of adverse childhood oh. experience. Sure. But, like, what makes the difference between the kids that go on to be violent and the kids that don't? And what they found was that the kids that don't have a buffer of a mm-hmm. kind, person. caring, mm-hmm. empathic, invested mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a parent. Nope. It can be a coach, a teacher, mm. a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or any caretaker. It ha- it's just investment, mm-hmm. and like I'll do anything for this kid, and it's so protective. Mm-hmm. So yes, wow. Dr. Peterson agrees. Wow. Okay. <laughs> per her book, I'm glad we're all on the same yeah, page. Yeah, we'll solve that problem, you know. But what at, at what age do we start teaching kindness? And do children just automatically have it, or do we have to teach it? That's a good question. Well, truly, I mean, the research shows this, that all children are born with that empathetic capability, okay. but it does have to be fostered and nurtured. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just children seeing parents and as they're little, little, you know, just tiny toddlers and infants, how mm-hmm. they see people talking to each other, mm-hmm. how they see their parents loving one another, how they see them cooperating and collaborating together. All of that begins, that's the initial stepping stones to this. And then as well as with, you know, how family members, you shouldn't let there be constant sibling rivalry, you know, but then taking it beyond that. But it's just showing how you care, kind of what I said earlier. But yes, I mean, we need to take that on. Is there an age where we start that? One, two, three. The day they're born. Okay. The day they're born. Mm. I think also treating them with kindness yes. and respect. Mm. Yes. And listening to them and validating their feelings. That's mm. all critical. Yes, because that's, they see it. I mean, mm-hmm. if if you're very nice to everyone out in public, but you're like demeaning to your daughter and like, mm-hmm. you need to lose weight, you look terrible in that skirt, uh, like all of that, uh, mm-hmm. like it, they're going to call your bluff. Yes, they will. They absolutely they, will. They will. And they'll know it's fake. So it, you know. Um, I guess that was kind of given in my thought. It's just right? how you treat. Your, yes. But, yeah. sh- it starts but listening your, to them, being willing to listen to them yeah. and validate their feelings. Yeah. Even if it's. Anger directed at you, you know, I mean, yes. and, and, and a lot of times it will 13, 14, 15 years old, yeah. and, but I, but in teenagers are going to like, they're testing the boundaries, right? Like and that's so normal development and they're going to mess up and they're going to yell and be disrespectful. I think it's okay to push back on that and say, you can't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to not talk to them like that to start with. Yes. But I mean, so I think you can have kindness. Boundaries can be kindness. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I totally agree. Boundaries are kindness, mm-hmm. but particularly how the boundaries are delivered. Mm-hmm. Like just, just this past week, I had a 13 year old in my office that was very verbose and yelling and it was creating her parent. It was an issue with her parents that were in the office at the same time. And I just had to respectfully ask her, I need you to lower your voice. We have other children in here and it will scare them. And she wanted to bow up and she goes, make me. And so I just was very calm. Parents got to watch this. I said, honey, I said, you're 13 years old. This is my office. Mm -hmm. I have other children 
I have to be considerate of. I said, you've got two choices. You can lower your voice or we're going to have to go ahead and leave the office. Mm-hmm. And she decided to lower her voice. But yes. the parents got to see that because I validated right. her. And I also told her, I know you're upset, but there's another way we can express this. Yes. And I can so, listen to that. Mm-hmm. And and we, can have parent- a log- we can have a logical conversation. But when you're yelling, yeah. it does, it, nothing yeah. gets nothing There's no gets- logic. And probably the parents needed to see that sample, Mm -hmm. that example Mm -hmm. of how to handle that behavior. Without letting me get upset because I'm sure oftentimes what happens is they get upset. That's it. Yes. Guarantee it. Mm -hmm. It You know, and that's why they do it. Yeah. Okay. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I feel like sometimes I see parents who work to remove obstacles um, for their kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't really want them to make mistakes. They mm-hmm. want, if there's something that's hard, they want to get out in front of it and make sure everything goes smoothly for their child so they're the best or successful. Is there a downside? Oh. Have you seen that in your practice? And is there a downside to Dr. Perch, you actually already know the answer. I do. (laughs) I do. And you're going to find we agree. (laughs) Yes, there is definitely a downside to this. Part of how, you know, kids sometimes get in that thing where they're either fear of success or fear of failure, but we've got to give them an opportunity that we all fail. None of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. And that failing is not a mistake. It helps helps us learn. Mm -hmm. And and it also gives us opportunities to practice new skills. It Mm -hmm. develops Again, back to this, a resiliency and emotional wisdom, it kind of all falls the same circle. But absolutely, when we make things too easy, our children are not able to cope with life. Mm, yes. And they've got to learn how to navigate those things and how to navigate problem solving and coping. And mm-hmm. so, yes, it's absolutely. And the other thing that goes back to making mistakes, we had this philosophy in our house, and we still have this philosophy that, and we would model it as parents, is that there's so much value in being able to say, I made a mistake. And we would have four steps, taking responsibility, mm-hmm. apologizing, mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness, and then you have to have a change in behavior. Mm. And if you don't have all four of those steps, yep. it's not a true apology. Yep. And that actually helped our kids see that, one, it's normal to make mistakes and it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. It's okay to retry again mm-hmm. and build from there. Yes. And for the the person who was harmed to just... Learn how to let it go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Talking to you, Perch Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hold grudges. They're like, in October, she said <laughs> I was a blueberry head. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Blueberry just, head. Oh, uh, yes. Clara was called a blueberry head at school oh yesterday. Gosh. Oh, oh, she was? Gosh. Yes. Oh. Was that the bullying event? No, there was another oh, one. Okay. That was another situation. Oh, oh, gosh. Here we go. <laughs> but one other um, subject matter that you're pretty big on and that's video games and the <sighs> internet and I, i'm looking at your face i have a and lot phones. of boxes yeah yeah so <laughs> i see that that you know video games and phones are a big deal to you help me understand why they are a big deal to me um and you know some of it kind of probably initially derived out of bullying because mm. social media did nothing but escalate mm-hmm. the bullying piece to True. an an nth degree. It's just absolutely awful. So there was that piece to it too. But as a neuropsychologist, we actually do the research on what too much screen time does to the brain. Mm. And so, in fact, I just recently gave a presentation um, for women of criminal justice about, about this and showed them, you know, screens, of, I mean, uh, slides of different brains, the damage that occurs to the brain. So we now know there's actually 
structural damage, and you know this too, Dr. Perch, in the frontal lobe if you've had too much screen time. So different parts of our frontal lobe do not fully develop or else they die out. But if you're going to have structural loss, then that means you're also going to have functional loss, right? right? And so it was that research that allowed where, um, you know, in 2013, what was it, APA in the DSM put down internet gaming disorder as a diagnosis under consideration. But by 2018 or 19, I can't remember, the um, WHO World Health Organization said, oh, no, we're going to add that. So I can actually go in and do testing for it and now render that diagnosis, internet gaming disorder, because we now have criteria to diagnose um, gaming or screen time addictions. Mm. And it's very similar to any other addiction behavior. Mm. But we've got the research to support it. So, yes, I, 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 not only do I, am I concerned about what it's doing to brain development mm-hmm. and behaviors and emotions, but I'm equally concerned about what it's doing to our children in terms of social relationships, yes. anxiety, depression, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I mean, the research mm-hmm. just came out on girls, our young teenagers, mm-hmm. what it's doing to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And, and just... All of it, every piece of it, and then from the bullying of it. It's just really dangerous. We've mm. got to get a control on social media. Yeah, I agree. On the on the gaming, growing up, every summer, I was either in daycare, both of my parents worked, or um, whenever I got older, I was in the neighborhood, I was outside, I was playing with my mm-hmm. friends, riding my bike, mm-hmm. developing all those relationships, resolving conflict, getting all of that practice mm-hmm. in socialization. So many of my patients... When I say, what are you excited about for the summer? Well, I'm going to play Xbox. And some of these children will play Xbox for 10 hours mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. That's all they will do. Mm-hmm. And it, and I understand as a parent, especially a parent that's working, you've got to find something that your kid is willing to do. Trying to convince a 13-year-old to go to summer camp isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if they're spending 11 weeks playing Xbox, I mean, they're, there's they're not getting that socialization. They're not practicing. They're, I mean, they're not learning anything. Mm-hmm. And I think also, um, so I always ask my patients if they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and they're like, no, I don't ever get frustrated. I'm like, okay, the big three, siblings, showers, and getting off electronics. And then the parents are laughing because they're like all showers. three. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh. Believe it or not, yeah, she's correct. Or, or like <clears throat> I just, siblings and showers are both S's. And so it's like all hygiene. So like baths. Brushing your teeth. This is okay. a bit, this is a big knockdown. I do not want to open up the door of that room I, and have the odor hit me in the face. Yes. Okay, it's time. <laughs> it's but it happens. Oh yeah. But um, <laughs> but a lot of times, kids. So a lot of times, there's a, like a big behavioral outburst getting off of the electronics. Whether yes. that's mom taking the phone, turning off the internet, yep. Yep. or unplugging the Xbox. Mm-hmm. There's the outburst there, or they'll say I get frustrated in the game and they're yelling and, and, and so it's that like aggressive bullying behavior that they wouldn't do to a human, but because it's on a screen, they're getting repetitions in that. Like I'm You're frustrated. Correct. I'm yelling. I'm calling you a name. I'm cursing. I'm using all kinds of words. I never would. And so that, those are the social reps they're doing all summer long mm-hmm. and not hanging out with the friends. And, and developing correct. social skills. And so correct. that's that's a huge change that I've seen. And that totally poor agree. frontal lobe. Yes. <laughs> that it, we've talked about right. so often. Which and, is responsible for emotional regulation. <laughs> yes, in development. I mean, it's like, it is like key. Yes, yes. absolutely. If you want to be a child psychiatrist, it's like cornerstones or like yes. that frontal lobe development and oh. ACEs. Start uh-huh. there, you're good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Oh. Those are like, yeah. those are the big guys. That's crazy. That's crazy. So what do you tell to parents? Like, what do you say to parents? 
Like what, what, what's, what's your, what should I tell my, Cause this is hard. Okay. My kid has been on, you know, the video game for six, seven hours. I haven't been bothered. I've been able to do certain things. I've been able to get certain things done. They haven't worried me, but this degradation is going on and you have no idea. Well, the first thing I always do is I tell parents that parenting is hard, but it's also selfless. And if you're going to choose to be a parent, that means you have to engage as a parent. And so I'll be honest with you. I actually show that PowerPoint that I did for Cook Brand Mm -hmm. Rounds. Mm -hmm. And I show them these slides and say, this is the damage that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make a decision. Are you going to engage and do this and be a parent and control this? But, you know, the moment that a child shows that they are withdrawing from life, you know, they're... They're not able to function in school or even adults not functioning in a job. If they're withdrawing from true social contact and mm-hmm. social relationships mm-hmm. and friendships and family time, and if they are re, you know, alleviating other things that they'd been interested in before, those are telltale signs and they need to put limits in. Mm-hmm. But parents have to model that same behavior. And they have to enforce the limits. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Saying... Okay, Johnny, get off. And then like three hours later, checking in, they're still doing it. It's not effective. No, it's not. And the reality is, is children should not have any of access. First of all, there should never be screens in their bedroom and it should never be used as a babysitter, you know, or, or a reward, but they should never have access to those kind of things until after they've completed all other things, whether it's sport, first of all, schoolwork, family time, Mm -hmm. social time, sports, their hygiene, just as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. all of that, then they might get a few minutes Mm -hmm. on it. But it, and it, it just sounds like, okay, parenting, and I'm not judging anybody, but, you know, we're quick to parent little kids, little babies, the two-year-olds we were just talking mm-hmm. about, the kindness, and when do we start, and how mm-hmm. do we get it, and, uh, and we can show them. But then when we get up to the teenage years, we just let them go. We just <laughs> it's, let them go. Like, it's like they're not kid. showering. They're not, they're, you know, they're on their video games. So, you know, it, it seems to me that parenting is like until they walk out the oh, door. Yes. Well, yes. I'm, I'm, yes. yes. And, and you know what? Parenting is just as difficult, although different, mm-hmm. just as difficult when you're adolescents. 100%. And I, I don't know how old your son is. He's 34. And let me tell you, it's a different, <laughs> it, and we still. I but still, it's still I challenging. Have a, I, have a, I have a 27-year-old, a 30-year-old, uh-huh. uh-huh. and uh-huh. I, t- my stepson I've raised since he's 8, 46 years okay. old. Still. And I'm telling you, we, we still parent. We still. Differently, <laughs> but there's still mm-hmm. a parenting. It is. I trust. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and everybody, I can't wait till he gets to be 18, honey. It doesn't stop. (laughs) You can wait if you want to, but it doesn't stop. I can't wait till he gets 25 when he gets out of college. No, it's it's constant, Mm -hmm. particularly if you care and you love them for real, for real. You know, you want them to do better. You want them to do well. And they're still going to, you know, fall down and make decisions. And and you're like, no, Mm -hmm. don't do that. (laughs) But you you have to let them do it. we, We would, you would. It's that resiliency. Yes, yes it is. Oh Let them but, do it. You know, my, I've got an Apple, and I don't know if uh, Androids do this too, but every week you're given a how yes. much time you're on yes, yes. your social oh, media thing. Yes, yes. And so we would have a competition in our family as how we could, how many of us could keep it below two hours. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So that would be our guide. I like that. Wow. If you pulled out my like podcast and Audible, I may be okay. Yeah, but <laughs> if if but I listen to podcasts like while I'm doing things. I don't mean that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm okay. talking about you know like we're talking game, TikTok, social media. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Facebook, Snapchat, okay. whatever. Sorry. Those are. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> man. 
<laughs> it would probably make you cringe. Oh, I probably would. <laughs> I have no business on TikTok as long as I do, but that's that. But then I'm grown. Hello. That's right. And you can make those decisions. I can make a decision. That is right. I pay my mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> and you still function as adult, right? Still yes. <laughs> do. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how do we help our kids navigate this world? It's chaotic. It's changing. Mm. It's different even than whenever I grew up. And granted, I'm I mean, ancient. Four or five years ago. It's different it even different. now. I mean, we it were just different. talking a little bit about the the, the chat, chat GPT. Yeah, and, yeah. Yes, it's changing. It is changing. I, you know, I go back to this, and this is going to sound like I'm a broken record on this, and I know it, I know it is, but it really, we, we have to recognize our role as parents. And if we've mm -hmm. chosen to be, have the privilege of being a parent, then we need to commit to that for many, many, many years where the yeah. priority is on them. It's not on us. Mm -hmm. And it's not about meeting our needs. It needs about be about being the best example and role model for our kids. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we need to recognize that we're going to be teaching our ch children how to develop that moral code of conduct, mm -hmm. you know, and that includes the kindness and the empathy and the resiliency. So it's really critical how we model and how we give back and um, making them and just the priority and loving them just absolutely unconditionally. Yeah. I've heard, um, I've heard like a quote, I don't, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like what you believe about your children will be true. Yes. And so, oh, I, yes, I've, I've read that before too. That's perfect. And so if you, if you believe that your child is kind, I mean, have your eyes wide open, you know, mm -hmm, like be, be a yes. value. Mm -hmm. Like don't, don't mm -hmm. just assume your kids like, you know, mm -hmm. an angel at the time, but like, like I like what you believe about them, mm -hmm. like that is what they will become to be. So I think mm -hmm. it's that's a measure of kindness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or it can be. Yes, I agree. Wow. Good. I totally agree. Wow. How, how do we give them hope? Is there hope? Where is is there? The, are we? Is there hope? Give there us hope. Help. Well, okay. So one of my my and you you've heard this before. I know I know Dr. Perch has heard this before, but you know, um, because we talked about it whenever we talked about initially about the school shootings. Remember mm -hmm. this, yes. but. Mr. Rogers has always oh, no. been um, someone I've always used, utilized, you know, as an example. And I loved what, his, what he always shared about what his mother said is, is that when there's tragedy, look for the helpers. Yes. So I don't, I want to, I want us to look for the helpers, but I want us also to be yeah. a helper. Mm -hmm. And I think that whenever we look for helpers and we also engage in being a helper, that instills hope and promise. Mm. Because you model it for them. Yes. And and then also, I think people who are genuinely kind are happy. They are. Because they look outward and not in, and they're not always constantly focused on, like, everything that's wrong. And so I think the more you look out, the happier you'll be. Because yes. you're not worried about every little thing that's wrong or what somebody said. You're just, who cares? Yeah. You just moved on. Yes. You're right. But, you know, that's good cognitive behavior therapy where you... <laughs> Change those irrational <laughs> negative thoughts into positive. You are you're just, you just speak the language, sister. <laughs> I try. I try so oh my God. And for all those people who work at Cook Children's, we'll just remind you that one of our values is kindness. Yes, it is. It's actually in our mission statement, it is. isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> Collaboration. Just in case. Yes. Respect. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Imagination. Mm -hmm. Generosity. Oh, yes. Safety. We, we should have put resilience in there. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe you can add that. Maybe we should. <laughs> add it to one of those dots yeah. that we've recently yeah. added. Yeah. As we connect them. As yes, we connect, we connect those them. Dots. Yes. Yes. 
Oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so encouraging and and it really helps us because there are, you know, a lot of times we have a lot of topics that are very heavy and it's and it's hard sometimes to get the joy up, to Mm -hmm. raise the joy. But today I, I really feel that there is there's hope, there's joy, there's all of that that we were raising today. So thank you for coming. I enjoy it. Thank you. It's an honor. We always close by saying what we're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Does anyone want to go first? I'm going to go first because I was writing while uh, Dr. Elliot was talking. I am going to, I, I'm grateful for resiliency and for the person who can help that child be resilient, mm-hmm. who can help that child build strength, who can help that child uh, bounce back and manage their stress and can be that protective element so that they are being the best that they can be. So that's what I'm grateful for. I am grateful for uh, teenagers and early adults. I know that they're incredibly frustrating to their parents um, because they challenge those norms, um, but I think they make us better. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this Gen Z gives Mm -hmm. me a lot of hope. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've been raised in school shootings. Mm-hmm. They like they they grew up in that. They mm-hmm. grew up in all kinds of hardships and things like that. And they're just saying, no, no more. I don't want to do it. No and they're willing to like stand up and um, advocate for themselves. And so that gives me hope. Yeah, I love the hope. I do too. But I don't. But it's I I think it's about being a young person, right? Like mm-hmm. you just. It, you don't have your frontal lobe, so you take yeah. those risks. Mm-hmm. So you're like, yeah, I'm going to go protest. And you're like, it didn't even cross your mind that you could get arrested. Yeah. Where all of us are like, if I'm I... Like, I don't want to go to jail. Yes. You're like, I'm pretty sure I'll get fired yeah. if I end up on the front page and of the Star-Telegram. And I can't pay my mortgage. Yes. And so we've all, we've all thought yeah. about that, right? Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. don't have that. And so yeah. they just They're, charge in. So that's courage. That's bravery, too. Yes. So mm. I'm grateful for young people. Yeah. Okay, well, can I say three things I'm grateful for? Oh, Please my do. Gosh, well, go of ahead. course, I'm always grateful for my family, but I'm so grateful too that we work in an organization that places resiliency mm. and kindness and compassion and have a team to help our mm-hmm. young people in our area. So mm-hmm. it's really wonderful to see that. So mm-hmm. that's a tribute to you both, but all everyone I work with and our agency, the organization we work with. But I'm also grateful for what this re- weekend represents because yeah. that gives me hope. Mm. Yeah. Resurrection. Yes. Coming back. Yeah. There you go. I get it. I get it. Thank you, everybody. This was, oh my gosh, this was so great. Um, And we just know that you know that we're raising joy and we're always trying to raise it everywhere we go and every time we get on this air. and, And that's what we're trying to do, actually. So until next time, just breathe, open up, you matter. matter.